Today's case is a sad story of a massacre that happened in a McDonald's in the United States. One of the most violent and sad moments in the city of San Diego, California. A case that no one in that region can forget. It happened in 1984, left 21 dead and many others injured. James Oliver Huberty was born on October 11, 1942 in Ohio in the United States. His parents were devoutly religious and the family regularly attended church. When James was three, he contracted polio. To minimise the resulting physical weakness of this disease, he was forced to wear steel and leather braces on both legs. Although James progressively recovered, he was left with a limp for the rest of his life. As a child, he had few friends and had a strong interest in target practice. In 1962, aged 19, he went to college where he studied sociology, but soon after he chose to study at the Institute of Mortuary Sciences in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He graduated with honours in 1964, earning a funeral director's licence and the following year an embalmer's licence. In early 1965, he married Etna Markland, whom he had met while studying sociology. Shortly after his marriage, he got a job at a funeral home. Though proficient in embalming, his introverted personality made him ill-suited to dealing with the public, causing conflict with his superiors. He worked in this trade for two years before switching to a job as a welder at Babcock and Wilcox. There he worked for two years before securing a much better paying position. He once earned around $25,000 a year, something like $180,000 today. He and his family moved into a three-story stately home in an upscale Ohio neighborhood. James had a history of domestic violence, often physically assaulting his daughters and wife, even going so far as to hold knives to their throats. Beginning in 1976, Etna tried several times to help her husband seek counseling to alleviate his stress, but he refused to seek any form of therapy. To his neighbours and co-workers, James was seen as a moody and somewhat paranoid individual who was obsessed with firearms. According to a family acquaintance, the home was littered with firearms. James was always in reach of a loaded gun. In November 1982, all employees of his company were notified of its closure. Unfortunately, all would be fired. In his frustration, he began to imagine that he would no longer be able to provide for his family. On one of his last days at the company, James mentioned something very strange to one of his co-workers. He said if he couldn't support his family, he would kill himself and take everyone with him. According to Etna, shortly after James became unemployed, he started hearing voices in his head. He went as far as to point a gun at his own head to silence the voices. His wife was nearby and managed to make him lower the gun. In the spring of 1983, the family moved to San Ysidro, a very poor district of San Diego, north of the US-Mexico border. Shortly thereafter, James applied for security training in a federal government program. He finished the course on April 12th and soon got a job at a security company in Chula Vista, assigned as a guard at a condominium. They decided to move to Avril Road, close to the place of work, but in less than two months, he was sacked. 
His employers informed James that the reasons for his dismissal were his poor job performance and a notable general physical instability. On July 15, 1984, at the age of 41, James talked to his wife Etna saying he believed he really had a mental disorder and perhaps the best option would be to see a psychiatric doctor. Two days later, on the morning of the 17th, James decided to call a mental health clinic in San Diego to book an appointment. He left his contact details with the receptionist, who in turn said she would get back to him in a few minutes. He sat silently by the phone for many hours, waiting for the call back. James had told the clinic that he had never been hospitalised for mental health issues before, and his behaviour on the call did not convey any sense of urgency. Because of this, the attendant recorded the call as a non-crisis patient and scheduled an appointment for 48 hours. However, she had not been able to return the call because she wrote down one of the numbers wrongly. Perhaps all the tragedy that happened next could have been avoided if James himself had called the clinic back. That afternoon, still waiting for the call, he rose abruptly from the sofa and went to the garage. He took his motorcycle and left for an unknown destination. Approximately an hour later, James returned home in good spirits. After dinner, James, his wife and their two daughters, then aged 12 and 10, cycled to a nearby park. Later that night, he and Etna watched a movie together on television. The next morning, July 18th, the family visited a San Diego zoo. During the visit, James spoke with his wife saying he thought he had had enough. The clinic had not called him back, his problems were getting worse and he felt nothing would get better. Etna, not understanding anything, just hugged him, realising that her husband was not mentally well. They had lunch and went home. A short time later, James changed his clothes, leaned over to Etna and said, I'm leaving, I want to kiss you goodbye. She asked, where are you going? I'm about to get up to make dinner. And he said, I'm going to hunt. He left holding a gun over his shoulder and a very heavy bag containing a 9mm semi-automatic pistol, a 9mm Uzi carbine, a 12-gauge Winchester 1200, a shotgun and hundreds of rounds of ammunition. He drove off and stopped only when he arrived at a McDonald's restaurant approximately 180 metres from his apartment. He parked, got out of the car, entered the place, closed the door and shouted to everybody to get down. While shooting, he shouted phrases like, Everybody are filthy pigs! And, I had already killed a thousand and today I'm going to kill a thousand more. One of the fathers who was with his kids at the scene hid them under one of the tables and tried to talk to the shooter. But James didn't listen to anything from him and just shot. James shot this man 14 times. Several people outside saw what was happening inside the restaurant. One of them immediately called the police. Approximately 10 minutes after the first of several 911 calls, police arrived at the restaurant, established a command post two blocks away, and deployed lot of officers to various strategic locations. SWAT was also called to the scene and the two teams surrounded the restaurant. The criminal constantly threatened the people of the place. 
Those who tried to escape by jumping out the windows or through the door itself were shot in the back. Several of them were hit while running through the parking lot. The facts that took place inside the restaurant are so cruel that they do not deserve to be narrated here. But, so that you can have an idea, the criminal pointed at an 18-year-old girl and shot 47 times at her. Her eight-month-old son sat next to his mother's body and began to cry. Until, in order to stop the crying, the shooter fired a single accurate shot into his back at close range. As James was firing repeatedly and switching between firearms, the police were initially unaware of how many people were inside the restaurant. At 5.17pm from inside the restaurant, James ended up positioning himself in a location that provided the SWAT sniper, Charles Foster, 27 years old, with a strategic position. Charles fired a single shot from approximately 32 metres. The bullet entered the shooter's chest, ending the massacre. Some of the people who escaped with their lives were hiding behind cars, and others who were inside the place pretended to be dead among the bodies on the ground. The massacre lasted 77 minutes between the threats, negotiations and shooting. 21 people were killed, among them children, pregnant women, elderly people. 17 inside the restaurant and 4 in the immediate area. 19 people were seriously injured. In total, James fired 257 times. The restaurant was renovated and planned to open again in the hope that with a new structure, the memories of the massacre would be forgotten. However, after discussions between community leaders and executives, it was decided that the restaurant would not reopen. It was demolished on the 26th of September. After the demolition, McDonald's donated the land to the city so that they could do whatever they wanted, like building a park, for example. The only condition for the donation would be that no other type of restaurant be built on the site. Several relatives of those killed, along with survivors of the massacre, filed lawsuits against McDonald's and the San Diego Police Department. These lawsuits were dismissed as unfounded, but they appealed. In July 1987, the California Court of Appeals ruled that McDonald's had no way to protect customers from an unpredictable attack by a crazed murderer and had implemented security measures normally used by restaurants to deter criminals, including guards and closed-circuit cameras. There would be no way to dissuade such a criminal, one who no longer cared about his own survival. The specific reason for the attack is not known, but, as already mentioned here, he had an irrational temperament and suicidal tendencies. There's no information about James's wife and daughters. Many believe they switched their identities to avoid public reprisals. The land ended up being sold in the 1990s to Southwestern College, which voluntarily committed to reserve a space at the entrance for a permanent memorial to the 21 victims who died in the massacre. Every anniversary of the massacre, it is possible to see the monument decorated with pictures and flowers. Hey, 
Você se interessa por crimes reais, serial killers, coisas macabras e tem um senso de humor um tanto quanto sórdido? Se sim, você não está sozinho. Se você precisa de um lugar recheado de pessoas como você, venha conhecer o podcast Pátria Amada Criminal. Todas as semanas tentamos entender o pior da humanidade. Nesse processo a gente ri, chora, fica brava, fofoca, porque afinal de contas é assim que a gente fala quando está entre amigos. Suas novas melhores amigas trevosas estão aqui no Pátria Amada Criminal. 